man up mentality. It worked for us for a while, and you know, at the end when you know a lot of these teams were buckling down, I just think you know, somewhat you know mentally we didn't match up with a lot of those teams. You know? We had a lot of guys fighting. Had a lot of guys fighting for for different reasons. You know, some of these guys are fighting for their entire careers. You know, and then we have other guys that were fighting for respect. And, and, and taking advantage of the opportunity. I think that was, that was what we were made of, you know. Sometimes there's just not enough in that, that show. It was really disappointing, you know, a lot of guys. So I just took on a lot from on there. You know, the thing about right now, you know, there's nothing that we can really do. You know, it's just a lot of what ifs, or, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, if we would have done this, you know. And the only thing about it is, you know, you can't get those times back. So, you know, especially with the team that we have, even with everything we dealt with, the different types of adversity and all the things we had to go through, uh, we still were right there, you know, so tough. You know, there were a couple of games uh, in that stretch up uh, that we lost and it kind of deflated us and it lingered on to the next game. And, um, you know, I think as a team, if we were able to go back, we would, um, you know, keep our composure and say that we can, we can still do it and we can still battle and, and get to the playoffs. So, um, you know, I think it was uh, uh, over the course of the year, I mean, guys went down. We had different uh, different lineups. Uh, not to make an excuse, but at the same time, you know, those things play a factor. But, um, you know, I, I just thought in the games that we needed, we really didn't come to play like we needed to. And that's on all of us as a team. I am, I've never been more proud of a team um, that didn't make the playoffs. You know, um, this team has been through so much all year. Um, so many more things than people don't know, you know, even, you know, our 45-day guys have, have been exceptional all year, and um, the fact that in most of the days, they, they even when they were with us, they couldn't practice, you know, uh, because we were trying to squeeze the days out of them, and you think about a, a rookie that's playing on the NBA team that can't even be in the gym when his team is practicing, and then the next night, we fly him on a commercial flight and he has to get off the plane and then go play in an NBA game. Uh, that's the stuff that this team has done all year. Uh, and yet somehow uh, we kept our heads above water. Uh, I've coached a long time. I think, that, I don't know how many years this is, 18. And I think I've had one or two losing seasons in my, in my entire coaching career. And uh, this should have been the third one when you think about it uh, and somehow it, it, it isn't you know we are above 500 had a chance to make the playoffs and at the end of the day honestly uh, we played against the teams that ha have a chance to make it and they're better uh, but um, we won a lot of games against teams that have been better than us hello Clippers Nation welcome to another episode of It's Hip to Clip the internet's newest Clippers podcast I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm with you each and every episode as we talk L.A. Clippers basketball. In this episode, we're going to look back at the previous three games the Clippers have played against the Spurs, Jazz, and Nuggets and see how that has impacted or how that did impact their playoff chances. And we'll also look forward to the final two games of the season and see uh, and look into what to expect in those final two games for the L.A. Clippers. We'll also talk a little bit about Coach Doc Rivers, and we'll talk about some roster moves that the Clippers made today. Uh, you know, as we look forward to the uh, remainder of the season, the offseason, we have an idea of sort of what the Clippers are looking at doing thanks to some of those roster moves. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. 
So when we last left you, the Clippers were still in the playoff hunt, looking from the outside, looking in, but still had a chance of making it into the playoffs, especially if they could come away with some wins against some very tough playoff teams or you know teams that are looking to make the playoffs, at least in the West. So the Clippers had to come out strong in these three games, and they needed to definitely come out victorious in the three games. And when we're talking about the three games, we're talking about games against the Spurs, the Jazz, and the Nuggets. The first game of that stretch was the San Antonio Spurs. They played the Spurs right there at Staples Center in front of the home crowd. And let me just tell you, it looked ugly early on. It looked like it was going to be the end of the season early on in the game. And when I say early on, I mean, in the first quarter, it looked like the Clippers were throwing in that towel. They were ready to, uh, you know, start their off season, start their, you know, relaxation and their rest and their fun a little bit earlier than the Clipper fans had planned. Uh, Luckily for Clipper fans, especially for those of you that stayed tuned in and didn't uh, change the channel early on, the Clippers were able to mount a impressive comeback over the Spurs and they ended up winning the game 113 to 110. Uh, Tobias Harris came up big for the Clippers as he seemed, seemed has he, as he has seemed to do uh, much of the time since he came over from the Pistons in the Blake Griffin swap. He had 31 points on 58% shooting to go along with nine rebounds. Lou Williams, although he struggled early on in the game, he was able to come up big in the fourth quarter and finish with 22 points. But again, that early those early struggles for Lou Williams um, had him finish shooting 8 of 20 from the field, which is very unlu-like for the Clippers, at least this season. And it could be showing, it could be a little bit of a sign that uh, the extra work that Lou has had to put in this season compared to past seasons is finally catching up to him. And he's just sort of tiring tiring out here as we hit the final uh, few games of the season. Another player for the Clippers that came up big, again, off the bench, and it seems that he does this almost every game is Montrez Harrell. He brought energy into the game when the Clippers were looking lifeless. He's one of the reasons the Clippers were able to fight back and and cut into that Spurs lead, and eventually uh, the Clippers were able to overtake the lead. But Montrez chipped in with 16 points to go along with eight rebounds. But again, it was that energy that Montrez Harrell brought to the game that really helped the Clippers out against the Spurs. The problem for the Clippers in the game and what almost cost in the game is they could not find a way to stop LaMarcus Aldridge of the Spurs. Aldridge had 35 points and he shot an amazing 62% from the field. And even though he's a big guy and you would typically expect a big guy to shoot pretty well because many of the shots are inside, Aldridge was taking many of his shots, you know, in that mid-range, you know, 15 to 20 foot uh, area. So the fact that he was able to make 62% of those shots and score 35 points for the Spurs. It's definitely what kept the Spurs in the lead for most of the game. And and the Spurs pretty much led 47 minutes of the game. The Clippers led for one minute, but again, it was that final minute that the Clippers took the lead and had the lead for. So that's what counts. That's what got them the victory. But again, that was sort of a, a concern or worry when you're looking at that, that the Clippers couldn't find a way to stop LaMarcus Aldridge. Luckily, the Clippers came away with that victory against the Spurs. Uh, They kept their playoff hopes alive, even though they were still on the outside looking in. But with that victory against the Spurs, the Clippers looked to head to Utah to face the Jazz, uh, another one of those teams that are battling for playoff positioning and those final playoff spots. And that was definitely a big upcoming game for the Clippers. Unfortunately, the Clippers 
uh, were not able to really show up for the game uh, if you look at it. And it seems, I mean, when you look at the Spurs game, if not for just a spark of energy and a good, you know, fourth quarter run for the Clippers, they probably would have lost that game. And unfortunately, in this game against Utah, the Clippers didn't end up having that spark of energy or that that fourth quarter push to take them over the lead. Uh, the Clippers were led by Austin Rivers in that game against the Jazz, who had 19 points. And again, Montrez Harrell, who always seems to be big for the team, uh, chipped in off the bench with 17 points. But again, the rest of the team struggled to produce much for the team. And the Clippers, in a must-win game, were not able to provide the energy and the intensity needed in that type of situation. And you heard some of the comments from the players and the coach be, uh, at the beginning of the episode. One of the things that was mentioned was the lack of of that, um, you know, that intensity or that lack of uh, experience that the Clippers had. And it sort of caught up to them here in these final games. And definitely you look at, at that outcome against the Jazz, and that's that's a key, you know, look at that as far as the Clippers struggling to get over the top and get that victory. Although the Clippers lost to the Utah Jazz in Utah, they still had the slimmest of playoff hopes heading back home to face the Denver Nuggets. And again, when I say slimmest of of hopes, it was literally they needed a bunch of things to go their way. And one of those things that they had was they had an upcoming game against the Pelicans, which is happening tonight. And so if they could go in, go back to Staples, beat the Denver Nuggets at home, it would give them that slim chance if they would be able to pull off a victory against the Pelicans tonight uh, to then look at help from another team to beat the Pelicans, which is, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But that Denver game was still a must-need game and a chance that the Clippers had to still possibly make the playoffs. And again, they came out lifeless. They did not have any of that intensity and they were not able to really make it a game against the Denver Nuggets on their home floor. Uh, they ended up losing to the Nuggets 134 to 115. And really it was Lou Williams who you know, helped lead the Clippers in that game or at least lead them in scoring. I wouldn't say lead them because the Clippers really weren't putting up much of a fight. But Lou Williams had 24 points off the bench. But again, he struggled with a shot. He had a poor shooting night. And that sort of leads to the all those minutes, all that all that weight that's been put on Lou Williams' shoulders throughout the season, that is a big part of why he probably has struggled here down the stretch. And Lou Williams is not used to that. He's a sixth man. A sixth man is not expected to carry the load for a team for a full season. A sixth man is someone you look for to come off the bench and provide some good quality bursts of minutes. And, you know, and Lou Williams is good at that, but... The Clippers have had to ask too much of Lou Williams this season, and it has shown as the Clippers have gone down the stretch. Uh, in that Denver game, the, the Nuggets are the ones that look like they had something to play for, and really they did. They're sitting in ninth place in the West. So it was basically the Clippers versus Nuggets to see which of those outside teams would still have a shot to get into the playoffs. And unfortunately for the Clippers, um, it was the Denver Nuggets that had the intensity, had that grit, had that grind, and were able to pull out a victory. And really, the Clippers just couldn't stop the Nuggets from scoring. You, I mean, when you're in the thick of trying to make the playoffs, you give up 134 points. That is, that is totally unacceptable of a potential playoff team that is, you know, fighting for their life to try and even get into the playoffs with the slimmest of hopes. 
that loss against the Nuggets basically knocked the Clippers. It actually, not even basically, it knocked the Clippers out of any potential playoff appearance this season. And uh, unfortunately, it's a sort of sad ending to a uh, an overachieving team. I mean, the Clippers... The Clippers did more than almost anyone could have expected out of them, uh, especially given the hand they were dealt with all the injuries, a major blockbuster trade prior to the season starting, a major blockbuster trade in the middle of the season. I mean, you gave up Chris Paul before the season started. You gave up Blake Griffin in the middle of the season, yet you're still fighting for a playoff spot up until the last week of the NBA season. So it's, it's, a bittersweet ending. The Clippers overachieved. They shouldn't have been in this hunt this late into the season to begin with. But unfortunately, they came up short because, again, I mean, you had three-fourths or three-fifths of your starting lineup out. You had Patrick Beverly out almost the whole season. You have someone like Milos Teodosic, who's been out for much of the season. You have Danilo Gallinari, who's been out for much of the season. And you're really relying on a bunch of uh, players that really shouldn't be getting big minutes to to pull through for you. And luckily, the Clippers were able to get some victories out of it, just came up a bit short with that. So although the Clippers are out of the playoffs, it doesn't mean that they still don't have some things to play for. Uh, they have two games left, one tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans and one on, uh, I believe, Wednesday against the Los Angeles Lakers. And actually, both of those games have a little bit of uh, incentive for the Clippers. Uh, the game against the Pelicans tonight, the Clippers really have the chance to play spoiler for the Pelicans and attempt to keep the Pelicans out of the playoffs, or at least help keep the Pelicans out of the playoffs. Um, the uh, Pelicans are sitting at the eighth spot, and Denver's you know, right there behind them. If the Clippers can beat the Pelicans, it definitely will help Denver's chances of getting into the playoffs. So you have something to play for there. I mean, you're not going to make the playoffs. Your season's pretty much over, but you have the chance to keep another team out of the playoffs potentially. So you would hope that the Clippers are going to come out and be able to uh, put up a fight and, you know, try and play that spoiler role. And you know what? That role is a fun role to play. You know, you look at it, what else do you have to do but go out there and just play? The pressure is now off the Clippers. They're not expected to fight for a playoff sp- spot anymore. They're out of the playoffs. So now really it's just free playing for the Clippers. The game doesn't matter. Win or lose, the season's going to end the same way for the Clippers. They're not going to make the playoffs. So it's an opportunity, A, to just sort of play a little bit of a free game instead of have the pressure and the expectations. And also it's a chance for some of these younger players to really put up a a show and, you know, Doc Rivers can give other players a little bit more time again with uh, out the pressure or the must win situation for the Pelicans. It's an important game tonight. They need to win uh, to help ensure that they're going to get in the playoffs and they probably will be coming out with a lot more intensity, but Again, the pressure's all on the Pelicans. The Clippers have zero pressure in this game. Sometimes that's a, a recipe for disaster for the team that is expected to win. So we'll see. Let's see how this Clippers team does in the game against the Pelicans and, and their opportunity to play spoiler. And the last game of the season, and the, it seems like the NBA schedulers like to do this quite a bit lately, is pit the Clippers and the Lakers either in the opening game of a season or the final game of a season. And it seems like, this season, we did it for both, right? The Clippers opened against 
uh, the Lakers. Everyone remembers that game. We had Patrick Beverly at the time, and it was Lonzo Ball's first game in the NBA. And Patrick Beverly looked like he was just ready for that to show Lonzo Ball that this is the NBA and it's not UCLA or Chino Hills or or whatever Lonzo Ball had been used to at that time. But now we come to the final game of the season. It's, again, the Clippers versus the Lakers. It's going to be on the Clippers' home court. And the Clippers are looking to pull off a season sweep. They won the previous three meetings against the Lakers. And uh, so if they can win the final game of the season against the Lakers, you got the season sweep. They'll have won all four games. And it actually would be the fourth time in the past six seasons that the Clippers have swept the Lakers. So for all the talk of, you know, the Lakers are the team, you know, on the upswing, the Clippers are trending downward. The Clippers still are the team with the opportunity to sweep the Lakers and keep the uh, the title of, I guess, the the title of the crosstown rivalry there or whatever. You know, in soccer terms, you would call it the Derby or whatever. But whatever you want to call this matchup between the Lakers and the Clippers, the Clippers already have won the season series, but they're going for a sweep, which is really just a slap in the face of the other team if you can pull it off. So there's going to be all that incentive for the Clippers to come away with that victory against the Lakers. And for the Lakers, they're just as incentivized to avoid getting swept by the Clippers. Uh, You know, the Lakers have this proud tradition as an NBA franchise, and they've always looked at the L.A. Clippers as the little brother. But everyone knows at some point the little brother grows up and becomes just as big and as strong as the big brother. And it's potential that this has happened at this time over the last five or six seasons that the Clippers now are the team that are the bigger, better, stronger team. And the Lakers, uh, as the big brother, they now want to try and regain control. So they're going to be looking at uh, using this last game of the season against the Clippers as sort of a jumping off point to try and propel themselves in the coming years in this battle. They want to, they sort of want to uh, prove to the Clippers that they are on the upswing and that they're ready to fight back against the Clippers. I'm all for it. I want the Lakers and Clippers to both be good because I want to see some heated rivalries uh, between these two teams. I'm a huge soccer fan. I've talked about it in the past. I follow the English Premier League. I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Uh, you know, we the Spur, you know, Spurs have this rivalry against Arsenal, uh, you know, the North London Derby. And we, I mean, it's just, it's a heated rivalry. The Spurs, you know, as fans, we want Spurs to win every single match. And of course, any Gooner fans, they're going to want their team to win every match. But it's an intense rivalry. And I'd love to see something like that in the NBA with the Clippers and the Lakers. So here's all to hoping for the Lakers to to move back up, the Clippers to stay strong, and that we can have this battle uh, happen for for years and years and years to come as uh, a, you know, a matchup. And, you know, eventually the Clippers seem like they're going to be moving out of Staples Center. But until then... You know, the Staples Center is a, is a good battle place for these two teams, hopefully uh, for a few, you know, a few more years while the Clippers are there. All right, so the Clippers are out of the playoffs. We've looked at the, you know, we've talked briefly about what to look at at these final two games of the season. Uh, now we need to, you know, sort of, sort of start talking about uh, offseason or what's going to happen here. And one of the big questions I know that all Clipper fans are going to be discussing, talking about, debating about is the future of Coach Doc Rivers. Coach Doc Rivers, you know, came to the Clippers as this experienced, uh, you know, coach that has championship experience after leading the Boston Celtics to a championship. Uh, and 
So the expectations when Doc Rivers came over, the Clippers had players like Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. The expectation for the Clippers at that point was championship or bust, basically, is what we were looking at. Unfortunately, Doc Rivers has struggled to provide that uh, championship experience or at least lead the Clippers uh, to that promised land of a championship. And ultimately, you look at Doc Rivers' tenure with the Clippers, and it's actually trended downward since his first season. He came in his first season, the Clippers win 57 games. And from that point on, they got worse and worse and worse up to this season. So you look first season, 57 victories, second season, 56 victories, third season, 53 victories, fourth season, 51 victories. And then this season, you're looking at somewhere between 42 and 44 victories, depending on how these final two, uh, final two games go. So, Doc Rivers, again, who was brought in with the goal of a championship for the Clippers, has definitely underperformed as a coach. And he had a period of time where he was the one making the personnel decisions as well. And that is a total different debate. He's already been relieved of those duties. But that was a spotty record as far as what he was doing as a GM. Uh, As a coach, again, you could see... Even when you had the the big trio or you had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and a bunch of veterans uh, around, there was major lapses from that team, whether it was in the playoffs or whether it was in the regular season. And we talked about that in a previous episode of this podcast is for some reason, every so often the Clippers just had a lack of focus and they would go into this game that they should easily win and they would give up a victory. And we're talking about, you know, going in to a, a team this season like a Phoenix Suns and you somehow end up losing a game against a team like that, uh, a team that has no business beating a championship caliber team. And that's something that has plagued the Clippers the entire Doc Rivers era. And, you know, you can say all you want about, you know, ultimately it's the players, but really a coaching staff needs to find a way to avoid that type of stuff. And Doc Rivers during his time with Clippers has not been able to do that. Uh, when I was writing for Clips Nation, which is a great Clippers blog, by the way, if anyone wants to check it out, go check it out at clipsnation.com. But I talked about sort of the hierarchy of the Clippers coaches through the years. And, you know, Doc Rivers is ultimately the greatest Clippers coach there's been. He has the most victories as a Clipper coach. He's led the Clippers to the most playoff appearances. He's led the Clippers into the deepest playoff runs during the Clippers era. Uh, And even then, you still had discussions about, does he need to stay with Clippers or is he a good enough coach to be with this Clippers team? You look at it, you compare it to the previous coach, who was Vinny Del Negro, who many people thought was, you know, way over, you know, he was totally, you know, un- unable to help coach this team. They, they looked at him. He was in over his shoulders, uh, you know, with, you know, what position he was put into. He was brought in prior to Chris Paul. He was brought in to help develop the young players. And then he just magically was handed to Chris Paul by David Stern in the NBA. And all of a sudden, he's not the right coach for the Clippers, what many people thought. Yet in his season that he had Chris Paul and he had Blake Griffin, and although he didn't like to play DeAndre Jordan in the fourth quarter, he had a DeAndre Jordan on the team, he was able to lead the Clippers to 56 victories. That's only one less victory than what Doc Rivers was able to accomplish with this team in his tenure with the Clippers. So, I mean, although many people disliked Vinny Del Negro as a coach, he was 
very close to the, he gave pretty close production to what Doc Rivers gave as this experienced championship proven coach. So you have to question Doc Rivers. Is he the right fit for the Clippers? Has he been able to get the most out of the Clippers with the hand that he was dealt? I know the Clippers dealt with some really freak injuries during playoff times, um, you know, against Houston when they were up 3-1 a few years ago. You know, players like Josh Smith and Corey Brewer somehow just become, you know, the world's greatest shooters and 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 hurt the Clippers. But again, there was multiple opportunities for Doc Rivers to help lead this Clippers team to a championship, and he failed, and the team has gotten worse each and every season that he's been with with the Clippers. Uh, you know, he, you can't have or you can't be excited about a coach that is peaked in his first game or his first season as your head coach. And he's been there for five years and it's just been a downward uh, fall since then. So ultimately, I'm looking at it. It, it might be time or it's time. I'm not even going to say it might be. It is time for the Clippers front office to look for some fresh uh, mind you know, fresh ideas from the coaching staff. And that probably means the Clippers will need to part ways with Doc River and look for a coach that can reinvigorate this team and help get a lot out of this Clippers team. It's not to say Coach Rivers hasn't done a great job this year. Again, the Clippers have overachieved. The Clippers have done more than the, uh, you know, anyone could have expected with all the injuries they were dealt. Even Coach Rivers, you know, when you listen to the um, quotes at the beginning of the episode here, Coach Rivers even said this should have been a losing season, but somehow he was able to help coach this team to a winning season. You know, but again, five years and a steady decline and you could not get past the second round with a core pl- a core group of players like the Clippers had. It's you know, five years has been enough time for him to try and uh, get us to that improved level of play. And unfortunately, he has gone in the wrong direction. So it really is a time right now, especially since we've missed the playoffs and there's not these big expectations, at least for the near future. You know, it's time to look at another voice for this Clippers as a coach and another person to help lead this team and and maybe, you know, instill some new uh, plays and some new ideas and just some new uh energy to this team because there's there's just a lot of questions about what Doc Rivers has done for the Clippers over his tenure with the team. Um, I, I'm not a Doc hater. I love Doc Rivers. He was probably the right person to have as your coach when that whole Donald Sterling uh, fiasco went down and you, know, you had players you know ready to bolt. You had sponsors ready to bolt and you had coach Doc Rivers was the one that was able to help keep that ship afloat, you know, pun intended there, Clippers ship, you know, all that great stuff. So, you know, not to hate on Doc Rivers. He's, he's a great leader. He's a great man, but he's just failed in what he was asked to do with this LA Clippers team. And it's just, it's time to move on. Uh, You know, he'll probably end up finding more work in the future, whether it's as a commentator or back in the coaching ranks of the NBA, he'll probably be able to find something. But I, I, I really, really believe that it's time for the Clippers to move on uh, from the Doc Rivers era and look forward to, to get some new ideas in there. Now, before we go, let's talk briefly about some news that dropped today. Uh, the Clippers announced officially, and it was first broken by Shams uh, from Yahoo Sports, but the Clippers uh 
officially announced that they've agreed to a multi-year deal with C.J. Williams. It looks like it's a three-year deal, which includes this year. So really, it's just two additional years of a contract. There's no word yet on how the contract breaks out, if if any of it's guaranteed or if, you know, it's partially guaranteed for the next season or two. But the good news is the Clippers have reached out and come to a, a deal with one of the players that um, has proven himself on one of those great two-way contracts that the Clippers have taken advantage of this season. Uh, you know, CJ Williams has averaged uh, 5.3 points per game with the Clippers, which, I mean, is not great. But if you look at some of those great games that he had defensively, like against LeBron James, of LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers a few weeks ago, there's reason to believe that he's going to be a viable piece at the end of a bench. Uh, he's not the type of player you're signing to a contract and hoping is going to play many minutes with a team, but you're hoping that in the dire need of a player that can get out on the floor and at least uh, put up some stats, you know, put up some shots, make some shots, play good defense in, in a pinch you love to have someone like C.J. Williams there as your, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th man off the bench. Uh, you know, he pr- he's proven that he could score against uh, weaker competition in the G League. I don't know quite how that translates to the NBA. It doesn't look like it's ever really translated well. Uh, he's not the quickest player on the court, and he's not the youngest player either. He's 20 years old as a rookie. So you're looking at someone with C.J. Williams here over the next couple of years that's there if you need him, um, a, a nice body on the bench, but not just someone that's taking up a roster spot to fill up the roster, someone that could come in when you need a, a key defensive stop or uh, something like that. And, you know, I, I, I like the move. I think C.J. Williams has proven himself. He's earned that kind of contract. Uh, with the Clippers, and it's good to see that he was able to come to an agreement with the team. Um, it was also sort of announced uh, that the Clippers are and Ty Wallace are still trying to discuss a contract uh, similar to what we had with C.J. Williams. But it seems like with them, the two sides aren't uh, the two sides aren't close, uh, especially to the point where you have C.J. Williams actually signing the deal. You have Ty Williams and um, I mean, sorry, Ty Wallace and the L.A. Clippers are still not anywhere near. Uh, finalizing a deal. So not as hopeful on, on that happening. The good news is the Clippers do own his his rights, so he's going to be a restricted free agent. So uh, if the Clippers can't come to an agreement with Ty Wallace, uh, if he does go out in free agency and signs a, a deal with someone, the Clippers will have the right to match it. So uh, the Clippers might have an opportunity to still retain Ty Wallace, depending on what kind of offers he's given and what happens from there. But, uh, you know, congratulations to C.J. Williams uh, for all that hard work. And he got on to the Clippers now. He's got a, a couple more years to work with the Clippers. And we'll learn more about what that contract is as, uh, you know, as the days and weeks unfold here. And especially as we get into the offseason and we start looking at the kind of roster moves that the uh, Clippers will be making to try and help improve their team. So... There you go, Clippers fans. That's that's what our episode is about today, or that's you know that's all I have for you today. Uh, unfortunately, I was hoping to come on today with some you know better news and with a fighting chance of still making the playoffs, especially against those New Orleans Pelicans. But unfortunately, the Clippers came up short. We're going to be heading into the offseason a little bit earlier than many of us had hoped for. Uh, but the future is not bleak at all for the Clippers. There's some good pieces on this roster. 
And as we get into the off season, after the you know, as we get through the playoffs and the off season, we'll slowly start discussing, uh, you know, this, you know, the future plans or the future ideas of what the Clippers can do with this team. Uh, we'll also start looking back at you know, sort of a year review of the uh, Clippers. We'll we'll look maybe every episode we'll look at a uh, two or three players and just sort of talk about uh, how they did this year. Um, did they meet expectations? Did they exceed? Did they underachieve? And we will uh, start prepping you Clipper fans for the offseason and sort of what to look for. As always, uh, feel free to uh, check out all of our older podcasts. They're available for you at whatever uh, podcast provider you like to go to. Uh, I prefer uh, you know, Google Play Music because I'm an Android guy. But by all means, if you have an, an iPhone or whatever you have, you can find us at any of the major podcast distributors and uh, also feel free to follow us on twitter uh, at it's hip to clip and that's i-t-s-h-i-p the number two c-l-i-p you can also follow us on instagram same thing it's hip to clip uh same spelt the same way uh or you can follow us on facebook and you know if you follow us on facebook twitter or you go on instagram you'll be able to stay up to date with any new podcast we release or any uh, thoughts or tidbits or anything we have to share with you guys, uh, Clippers or NBA related. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for your continued support of the It's Hip to Clip podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you have a great night. Hopefully the Clippers can come away victorious and play spoiler against the Pelicans and then win the season series uh, in a sweep against the Lakers. But uh, until the next episode, it's hip to clip.